0: Listening to Napa Register Radio. I'm your host, Yousef Baig. Uh Welcome back to episode three of the official podcast of the Napa Valley Register and its sister publications, The St. Star, Weekly Calistode, and American Canyon Eagle. Uh, I'm a little bit under the weather, but we're going to power through. If uh, Ira Glass and This American Life uh, host can do it, so can I, because clearly we're in the same sentence uh, just now. Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to do this, and there's a couple reasons for it. Uh, the biggest one I will touch on at the end of this episode uh, in another edition of Other Side of the Fence. Uh, but to kind of give you the main headline of that, uh, I had some stuff stolen in Oakland recently, and one of the casualties in that uh, was my laptop. Uh, so I lost um, more or less an episode and a half of um, Napa Register Radio. And so... Coupled with just, you know, vacations, Bottle Rock, uh, things like that. This is the first time I'm getting back to you, so uh, it's nice to be back. It's good to be back. Uh, I appreciate anybody that's kind of powering through or wondering that's, you know, what happened. Was this just a two-hit wonder type thing? Uh, Nah, we're still here. We're still throwing down. And uh, this episode is going to be strictly Bottle Rock. We're going to talk to an artist, local musician here in Napa named Alec Lee, uh, he got to kind of achieve a real cool milestone in his musical career and play Bottle Rock for the first time. Uh, he came through on Sunday of the festival and played a, an opening set at noon at the Lagunita stage. So had him on to talk about that experience, uh, kind of where he is in his uh, life as a musician. And, uh, and then we also have the man behind the the event itself, uh, Latitude 38 co-founder and CEO of Bottle Rock, Dave Graham, uh, was gracious enough to give us some of his time uh, so we're going to get to just dive into everything with him and sort of what that experience is like for him uh, going through it and what it's like kind of before and after now that the dust has settled. So uh, stick around for both of those. Um, I do want to just kind of open with just some quick thoughts about Bottle Rock. I went for the third time this year, and uh, I've, it's, it's very different from most music festivals that I tend to go to because my, uh, my wheelhouse is jam bands, uh, Descendants of the Grateful Dead, I know it might be kind of unexpected to hear, but that's kind of where uh, my musical tastes lie. So uh, I'm used to camping festivals. I'm used to kind of being submerged in nature uh, in this kind of unique space where you're detached from the world for a few days. And all you really have is this community uh, that you're just quickly propped up in for a few days and uh, kind of sharing this really beautiful collective experience. So Bottle Rock and and other city festivals like it are, are kind of unique in that they uh, they just kind of uh, appear in town. They throw up tents. They put stages together. And uh, this like massive following of people just sort of uh, descend uh, upon this location, and sort of overtake the town. And it's cool to see Napa sort of have that energy and the atmosphere and vibe that comes along with it. There's after parties and pre-parties in the days before the show. And it's really become this massive, massive thing. And it's a, it's a real event for a lot of people. And uh, the thing that always sticks out to me is just the the uniqueness of the crowd, the age range uh, from kids to, you know, gray haired citizens, you know, older end of the spectrum. And, and just kind of how everybody comes together to have some food, have some drink, uh, enjoy some music, and hopefully have a few laughs in the process. And uh, so, you know, I think it's to me more the an indication of how the festival culture has changed and sort of how the festival itself uh, as an, as an idea has really just sort of evolved and kind of catered to people from all walks of life and made it this thing where everyone can kind of get involved. And I think that's what Bottle Rock is really about, is kind of getting people uh, not necessarily out of their comfort zone, but into a space that they don't always get to be a part of. And so to see it happen here in Napa and to see the way that people really assemble for it is really awesome. So uh, getting to kind of do an episode about Bottle Rock, some, something that I've gotten to be a part of for these multiple years now and really get to witness uh, at a very close proximity as someone who covers it. And uh, this year got to blog about it all the way through, which is a lot of fun uh, in and of itself, kind of giving a sort of Hunter S. Thompson Gonzo-esque sort of view of what it's like going through the festival. Uh, Yes, as a writer, but also as someone who really does indulge in everything that's uh, going on within it. So um, if you didn't see those, uh, definitely, you know, hit the Napa Valley Register.com website and uh, check out blogging Bottle Rock. That's something... I'll shamelessly promote. Um, But anyways, let's uh, dive into the episode. Dave Graham is an interesting cat. If you spend a few minutes with a guy, you'll begin to understand how he got to where he is and why he and his partners at Latitude 38 are the right team to steer Bottle Rock into the future. Dave is a Napa native, a vintage high graduate, a very successful entrepreneur, and someone that takes a lot of pride in the local culture and putting it on display at his festival. His business acumen is impressive, and his dedication to making Bottle Rock a coveted national and even international event becomes apparent when you hear how technical and even surgical his approach is. Uh, Since his interview was one of the recordings I lost, he was gracious enough to once again open up the doors at his downtown Napa office and talk about Bottle Rock in a seemingly more relaxed way, which is Obviously, because the 2017 edition is now in the rearview mirror, and they're well on their way to planning 2018. Uh, we touched on what it's like for his team immediately after the event, how they tackle all the moving pieces, and how a bottle rock lineup comes together. He's an intelligent guy, and I really enjoy talking with him. So, lend your ears to Bottle Rock's Dave Graham. So, Dave, uh, thanks for coming on and doing yeah. it again. Uh, I guess, second go of this, and now we're talking after the festival, and I, I'm always sort of curious, you know, what is it like for you in the in the aftermath? Do you kind of go into, you know, you go off the grid or, you know, take a vacation, sort of, what's, what happens for someone like Dave Graham after an event like Bottle Rock?
1: Well, um, it's a little bit different than you, one would probably assume. Um, so, Jason and Justin and I and the whole team is... As you can see, um, it doesn't look like much has changed, yeah. And n- not much does change because what ends up happening is you go from in 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 call it April, you know, forty people on your team to May. It before the festival you go up to you, know, you start it around probably 150, and then it it scales all the way to about 4,500. Yeah. And then the festival ends, and then it took you 18 months of planning and one month of building, and now you need to break down what you just built. You need to get those 4,500 people paid. You need to do reviews with all key stakeholders that you worked with whether they be your employees or contractors or vendors to figure out while it's fresh in everyone's mind what actually worked but more importantly what needs to be improved then um, while you're doing that breakdown and the review planning and the um, paying all the bills um, you then have to um, plan your budget out for for the following year because you have people that you're keeping on board you have people that you're not keeping on board you have people that you didn't have on board that you want to have on board yeah and so you've got to you've got to put together a budget for that and then simultaneous you're already way into the booking for 2018 yeah um and so uh june while not as busy as may um June is one of your busiest months, um, so of the
0: year. So you don't get a vacation immediately after. No, we haven't
1: taken yet. Um, I was just telling you that I plan on taking the next uh, week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little, uh, a week next week. Um, but Jason and Justin and the team will still be here, and then, and then I'll be back, and then one of them and some of our team members will take a, a little bit of a break. But um, the festival itself is roughly. It depends on how you measure it, but it's between 16 and 18 months yeah. of planning for each festival.
0: Um, so, uh, Is there like an emotional release in the days afterwards? I mean, kind of, you know, what's yeah, going
1: through your head? There's a, there's a pattern of a variety of sentiments, feelings that you begin to notice. Um, one is um, there's a a sense of relief and happiness especially when it ends and you realize that everyone was safe um and um it worked yeah you know weather was fine people had a good time and people were safe so there's a sense of relief but your body is still craving that adrenaline yeah. But it's exhausted at the same time. And so it's this weird kind of feeling where you're wanting that rush and at the same time you want to sleep, but you can't because your body's still in some you're fight jacked. or flight mode. Yeah. And um it it's an emotional time too. You'll see people's personalities kind of how would I put it? Um they Become emotional. Yeah. Um, and so it's out of happiness. It's out of <laughs> relief. But um, you definitely learn to have patience with people yeah. at that point in time. Because everyone's really tired. Yeah. Uh, and very emotional. And so um, you, you might not be as um, curt or straightforward as you might have been leading up to the festival. You're more forgiving in yeah. terms of um, the... The answers that you get to questions that you have that aren't necessarily um, what you wanted to hear, or you don't necessarily understand them, you, you kind of change your mode into yeah. a more forgiving mode, so to speak. Um, and then the the the, the real positive um, emotion that comes about um, or feeling is um, a sense of like of team and uh, and family. You'll see, there's. There's a lot of uh, a lot of hugging that goes on <laughs> at that point in time. A lot of high fives. Yeah. Um, a lot of fist pumps. A lot of bro hugs. Yeah. Um, a lot of winks. Yeah. Um, a lot of nods. You know, all the things that kind of just a firm just, we just We just went through something pretty cool. Yeah. And we got through it. And uh, it, if all of us didn't do our jobs, it wouldn't have happened. And so it's it's a proud probably yeah. happy moment for them. That's like
0: not a pleasant recovery it sounds like.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it's it it is. Um it is, but it's a uh, it's schizophrenic. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: I mean, when you look back at, at the, this year's festival and this weekend, I mean, what does what, there anything that stands out to you from the experience itself and and what you guys were able to offer, the the music, the the food, the the spa, I know it was a big hit. I mean, just sort of what what stands out to you about this year's Bottle Rock?
1: Well, you know, um, one was that the, um, the community was r- really proud of it. Um, everything that, that happened, the, um, overwhelming feedback has been, um, nothing but positive. And that not only comes from our general members of the community, but local leaders, um, at every level. Yeah. Um, when you hear positive feedback that they feel like the city and the community and the valley was represented in a way that um, really was something to be proud of, that's when you start to get, get a few goosebumps. Yeah. Um, and um, it you begin to really realize... Um, or begin to think that yeah, all of those trials, tribulations, etc., cetera, woe me, um, you know, are, um, it was definitely worth it because it's not, putting the festival on is not um, what I thought it would be or what anyone that works with us thought it would be like. It's not, we're not sitting there hanging out with rock stars and right. drinking champagne. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's dirty. It's not pretty. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not glamorous at all. Yeah. Um, but it. on the other side, once you do your job, it it, be, it does become pretty, but not for you. Right. Uh, it does become glamorous, but not for you, not right. for the but team.
0: It, is it like progressing and evolving like you wanted it to? Yeah.
1: It-, it really is. The brand is um, definitely solidified. People know who we are and how we're different yeah. from other festivals. Um, and the reach is... Um, definitely not only national at this point, but, um, beyond, beyond our, our borders, so to speak. Um, and then, um, one thing that's become apparent is that our weakness, which was we weren't festival people, um, has become our strength because since we didn't know how it should be done and and had been done putting on a festival that is. It um, we just did it how we thought it should be done, given how things are done in the Napa Valley at events, yeah. um, and so delivering on that, um, but at scale, um, you know, serving forty thousand plus people a day um, on brand with the Napa Valley um, has made some people a lot of people go, whoa, that's that's crazy. That's, that's incredible. And we're just kind of like, well, uh, that's kind of like how it should be done. And actually there are a lot of things that we need to improve still and, yeah. and do better. And, but, um, no, so it's great to hear the feedback that we're getting and not only from the community and local leaders, but, um, but from the music industry itself, whether it be agencies, uh, artist management and the artists themselves, um, it's just very different and, and a lot of fun for everyone,
0: yeah, because yeah. when we last talked, you mentioned how when you guys first purchased the brand and you were you know kind of taking on the industry in some ways because people were looking at the festival as this thing that needed all this different work and they needed uh, you guys kind of had to repair the image because of the people who weren't paid and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and see you said that was one of the most challenging times in your life, and was you know you, you weren't sure at times you had doubts, all these different things that kind of creeped into mm-hmm. to kind of see where that's come from then to now, I mean, it sounds like it's kind of amazing to you. Well, yeah, you know, when,
1: when you have, um, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't convince people in the music industry to take our money to, to book a band. And now, um, we, um, the opportunities that are available to us, um, whether it be bands or, um, even you know, people to appear on the culinary stage, um, the tide has turned, and, and now it's a sought-after event for for artists, whether they be music or chef or um, even you know, restaurants and sponsors. Now, um, people in those those different groups that I just spoke about they want to go. want in. Yeah, um, I don't want to imply that you know. Rolling Stones are saying hey like we want to play your festival I'm not saying that but I'm saying that it it wasn't well, it was, it like that it was it wasn't it was it was extremely difficult to convince people to do business with us yeah across the board and now it's 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 different
0: yeah and I mean it's its to see what it is now and you know I think uh, a lot of the little changes that were there this year the, the artificial turf and the grass and how that was you know, rolled out and people were able to lounge from one end to the, to the other and just kind of the details that come along with it. I mean, how much are you, <coughs> excuse me, paying attention to uh, just kind of the little things in the experience and the stuff that makes people, you know, want to be at the event and want to come to it? I mean, how much do you see sort of the minutia uh, that kind of go on in this event? I've, I assume you have to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, um, you know, we're not, we don't outsource anything really I mean we we definitely have a security team that we you know outsource to and sure and work with we we have a concessionaire that we outsource to but work with but um, we oversee everything and so when you're talking about the festival production um, for example when you're talking about the grass when you're talking about the Sweets, when you're talking about the sky decks, um, every attention to detail, uh, Justin or Jason are um, on top of, uh, everything from I could tell you a thousand things that they're do you guys like not happy with <laughs> in terms of like things that are down to the smallest detail that that didn't happen that we wanted to have happen yeah Um, and uh, so absolutely um, you have to pay attention to the detail I think it's one of the things that helps differentiate us is that we're in the weeds yeah um, and above the clouds so to speak at the same time and I don't mean just Jason or Justin or myself the whole team um, is very detail oriented um, and it's just part of our culture
0: yeah. I mean, how do you guys allocate responsibilities? Is there stuff that you specialize in or maybe things that Jason or Justin might Oh, do
1: absolutely. Better? Yeah, absolutely. We, we kind of break them into buckets and uh, we use a numbering system kind of to um, to assign ownership and um, allocation of resources. So to give you an example, um, well, so the three of us are involved in pretty much... Um, every 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 aspect of our festival involves um, a variety of different areas so if you're looking at marketing you can't just say okay marketing is one bucket and um, there's one person that oversees marketing and they do the marketing and then then you're done let's unpack that a little bit marketing involves, the, is consumer-facing in every single expression that we create, whether it be digital or not. Um, it um, it has a look, it has a feel, it has a touch, it has a message. It, it has a brand, um, but marketing just doesn't touch the ticket buyer in one way. The ticket buyer has to have an experience, and that experience um, involves the ticket buying process all the way through navigating the the entire uh, venue to what it is that person's experience is going to be depending upon the ticket type that they buy. And so, for example, marketing will market what it is that is being offered for a different ticket type, but the different ticket type is defined and decided by the experience. And the experience, for example, is handled by, let's say, Justin. So Justin will define the experience. Yeah. Marketing, which is my department, will define what it is the customer actually feels and sees and hears regarding what it is they're going to experience. Um, uh, But let's take that one further. We just talked about what it is that, that that Justin would define relative to the experience. But that experience also involves food and involves wine. Um, it involves sponsorship activations all of which are in Jason's bucket yeah bucket but Jason can't bring on a a restaurant or bring on a wine partner or bring on a sponsor without affecting the marketing department and without affecting the experience of those of customers going through those activations and sponsorships so back to the one two three um for example if we're talking marketing um I would be one, maybe Jason would be two and Justin would be three. If you're talking VIP experience, Justin is one, Jason is two and I'm three. Yeah. Um, So they're without boring you relative to all the divisions of ownership and involvement for the three of us. Absolutely. And then we have our departments that people underneath all of those buckets. Um, And uh, ultimately if you have a one in your column, you're, ultimately responsible but if you if you're two or three you have a job to support the person that's number one in that that area
0: yeah so. <clears throat> i mean it, it's it's almost like you guys have really constructed this like uh, it's like a venn diagram type of like work atmosphere and everybody's overlaps in some yeah. ways, and there's yeah
1: everyone's in, everyone knows what's going on yeah um and everyone has some sort of involvement in in each of the buckets so some, yeah. sometimes more than 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 other times.
0: Yeah. Well, you said you guys are working on the lineup now and putting together next year's festival. And I mean, how's that going? I mean, what, what is the process like? uh, I guess sort of putting a lineup together like this.
1: Uh, It's, it takes a long time. (laughs) Um, And you know, it goes back to your customer, right? And who's your customer and what is they want. And then once you figure out who your customer is and what it is they want, then you need to look at who's actually available. Yeah. And, and then once you understand who's available, then you are um, looking at, at price points, demographic, for that particular band, what their call it album cycle is and release and where um, they're going to be touring and routing and whether or not they're part of uh, a route that actually is in line with where you know, our venue, our festival is. Right, and if that's right. the case, okay, that particular band is this kind of genre. All right. Well, we only can have x number of bands in this kind of genre, and by the way, that genre has to play against this genre, and that genre has to play against this genre. You need to have, in other words, counter program that's well thought out so that you can actually distribute the crowd yeah. in a very safe and uh, pleasurable way, um, and so that you couldn't have four rock bands playing at the same time. Right. And so, for example, and so. Um, each band, you know, 82, 83, is surgically placed and decided upon. And um, it, it takes a good nine months wow. to, to build a lineup.
0: Yeah. Like, so when you guys do actually make the announcement, that is literally just about as close to after putting it all together as it could be. Yeah, last year we were done in September, okay. more or less. September, yeah. October. And the de- announcement was December?
1: Uh, January, January 4th so so we're in the thick of it right now yeah
0: um so there is there really isn't like a well I mean they're kind of it's not maybe a formula but there's sort of like an algorithm in a way that you to a certain extent based on what our
1: customer um experience needs to be and what they're looking for and what they're asking for how do you
0: I mean how do you define that I guess when you sort of put them all together like that well I mean it
1: there's there's an art to it there's a science to it right so it's kind of like accounting yeah (laughs) um probably more of an art than a science but uh um, the, so c- certain, if, if let's say, let's say if, if, um, part of what makes Bottle Rock really unique is that, um, in most festivals you have kind of a, the demographic is roughly 19 years old to 25 years old. For sure. Um, our demographics like nine to kind of Any, 85, 80, yeah. 90, and if, and if you look at a Bell distribution curve, normal distribution curve, roughly the medium, kind of in the middle, the fat part of the curve is roughly 30-year-old, 35-year-old. Yeah. But you can't... Um, but then you have a lot of people that are older than 30, 35, and a lot of people that are younger than 35. And so what you can't do is book a lineup that skews older in terms of that distribution curve because young people won't like it. Yeah. They don't think it's cool. And believe it or not, older people care what younger people think. Yeah. <laughs> we figured that out a long time ago, four years ago. Um, and so we tend to book a little bit younger, but make it approachable. So I'm 45. So we'll book something that's more approachable to someone in San Francisco you look at the demographic, kind of average income, et cetera. Yeah. Um, And then, but we'll make that music approachable to someone my age and older, even though I may may not, someone my age may not know what that, what the name of that band is. When they hear someone that they, whose opinion they respect say, oh, you got to check this band out. And then they hear the band itself and they're like, oh, wow, this is Jude on the Line. Never heard of them. Yeah. wow, this is pretty cool. I actually never thought, you know, I'd, like something other than Tom Petty. right. <laughs> that's, that's where the aha moments happen. Yeah. And that's where you turn someone who historically hasn't been a live entertainment person into a live entertainment person. And, uh, that's, that's fun, but it's hard. Um, cause if you skew too young, then you ostracize someone my age and older. Right. And if you skew too old, you ostracize someone younger than me and younger. Yeah. And, uh, and so um, it's a, you have to be very, very s- surgical about it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 there's, there's a lot of pressure on it, believe it or not. It's, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's an amazing thing
0: just because I, I think that's the thing I always sort of marvel at is how yeah. you can, you know, Bottle Rock, I think, has one of the most unique issues or if you can even call it an issue yeah. that it has to satisfy such yeah. a wide demographic. Cause it doesn't happen in other festivals. No. Cause yeah. they know who they're going for. Yeah. It's they're going to target yeah. the EDM kids or they're yeah. going to target the exactly. jam fans. And exactly. So. exactly. Whereas like bottle rock has to please everyone from all backgrounds and all ages. A- and absolutely. And it somehow, and works. we love that. Yeah. And so you got to make sure you're doing just that. Yeah. Um, and it works, man. I yeah. mean, I, I, like, uh, this was my third year and I think that's the thing that I always sort of find myself amazed by is how it's able to draw in people who are older and maybe didn't see themselves in this type of environment at this stage of at their life at all. And it's so fun to see that because you can see it happening. Yeah. And it clicks. Yeah. That exact, that yeah. You said aha yeah. moment where they yeah. really are, they're there, they're, they're feeling it. They're drinking, yeah. they're eating, they're having a good time. I didn't time. think I
1: wanted to be around crowds. I didn't think I wanted to be, yeah, and all of a sudden, that you know, I, I, you know I, I listen to Led Zeppelin and that's who I listen to, right? And yeah. then all of a sudden, like I said, they're listening to some some band that, whose name they would never heard of. And they're like, wow, that's pretty cool. And, yeah. And they're doing that with you know they're they're fifty and they're doing that with their you know twelve year old yeah <laughs> you know uh, son or daughter it's and, spanning and, generations yeah now. it's yeah. pretty cool
0: no it's an amazing thing man well I, I know we're all appreciative of the work that you guys do and I know at this point you're probably ready for that vacation that I think you said you haven't taken one in a few years now oh
1: yeah but you know we're we're just happy that it's turned out how it's turned out and we're not drawing a line in the sand and saying we did it no we we, we that's one of the unique things about the Napa Valley and uh, trying to deliver on that brand promise is that you'll never get there because the bar is so high. Yeah. So there'll always be room for improvement. I mean, how do you, I mean, it's it's the Napa Valley, right? So it's it's uh, the, the standard for food-related experiences and wine-related experiences. Um,
0: the bar is high. Yeah. Really high well i'm glad that you're the one that's you know aiming
1: for it at least. well no, no i mean the whole the yeah the whole team um it you know' it's, it's uh we've it's taken us a while to build the 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 right team and we've got a really really good team and um it most of whom are from napa and it's it's kind of it's nice to see uh it's, kind of, it's, it's nice to see it working and it's, it's exciting to think about where we might be able to, to take this thing from an experience standpoint. Um, every year we, we try to drastically improve the experience and uh, so far that's happening and uh, you know, we're working on right now, making sure that that leap that takes place from a positive experience standpoint happens um, every year, yeah. especially next year.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're all glad and looking forward to, to see what the next one looks like. Yeah, we,
1: we are too. We don't don't know what it's going to look like yet, but uh, we're working on it. Um, definitely know some areas for improvement, and uh, and uh, the surveys that just came out. Um, I
0: did. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, too, I just sent those out to take. A yeah, we're we're putting we're response. aggregating
1: all of that information right now. But um, and I wish I had it in front of me, so I'm going to make some. Um, generalizations on some of the feedback as opposed to giving the exact stats I just don't like literally don't have them in front of me but um, I think like for example uh, standouts would be VIP related customers do you plan on um, buying VIP level tickets again uh, 96% yes wow. uh, people that came to Napa for Bottle Rock that are outside of that are not from Napa um, over 70% either went to a winery or dined out um, which was really just a big big leap from the previous year so it's a way to kind of see just how much of
0: the culture is kind of yeah yeah.
1: absolutely And, and you know we want over time for Bottle Rock to be more of a not just about the festival itself but more um about a um a weekend or week related to um an experience that 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 happens both in and outside of the venue yeah more than just those three days absolutely I mean if you've been to um Stampede and Calgary the whole city um you know it celebrates um, Stampede is not involved in Stampede the businesses thrive around Stampede if you go to Austin City Limits ACL oh, yeah. the entire c- it's not just about the festival in fact um, last the last time I went um, I spent more time outside of ACL I spent more time outside of the festival than I did in the festival because there's yeah. just so many things going on um, so we it was positive for us to see so many people um, coming out of um, Bottle Rock, um, leaving Bottle Rock or going to Bottle Rock for one day and then, then, then doing something for the other two days. Right. Um, you know, 60% of our ticket buyers are single-day ticket buyers. They're not coming here for three days. Yeah. So, um, which is fine for us. Um, so, we. We're hoping that yeah, we're hoping that, 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 that bottle rock becomes more than just the festival itself. It becomes
0: a full experience yeah, a full for experience. the for the valley for the yeah. week and, 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 the city, <laughs> and the city. of Napa, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well hopefully it comes to fruition. Mommy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you making some more time for me again. It's absolutely. Always a pleasure and look forward to, to next year's Bottle Rock.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for uh, for giving me the opportunity to, to chat with you.
0: In a lot of ways, Alec Lee embodies everything you need to have if you want to be a successful musician. Sure, he's talented and driven, but he's also curious and persistent and smart about navigating the music scene. He has a good team around him that is ready to support him in the long haul. They take a positive approach to everything they do, which is how the bottom of the lineup movement started, poking fun at his spot on the lineup while celebrating the fact that he is on it, period. Alec's music has evolved over the years, too. He went from singing songs with an acoustic guitar and a loop pedal to diving headfirst into electronic music. From his first EP to his latest release, Life and Pastel, which dropped last month, the progression is pretty powerful and I can honestly admit that I genuinely dig what he's putting out there. Uh, Alec is a goofy guy and scatterbrained like most musicians, but it makes him a pretty fun person to talk to. So uh, give it up for the artist who may very well change the reputation for music that's grown right here in the Napa Valley, Alec Lee. So it's been, I guess, a couple weeks now since Bottle Rock and the dust has settled. Uh, like, what is like when you look back on that? Like, what are you thinking about? What what kind of now that you've gone through the entire experience? I mean, what is what is the Bottle Rock
2: experience like for you now? Um, I feel like my my view has now been tainted <laughs> just just because uh, Bottle Rock just was an amazing festival, and I was I felt like I was treated way better than I should have because, you know, I'm like at the, you know, the, the bottom of that whole lineup and and uh, we were just able to go wherever we wanted to afterwards, you know, people were just giving us you know, food and everything, but I think that's just like the stuff after, like when it actually happened, like actually performing at Bottle Rock was probably one of the coolest experiences that yeah. I had. What was the turnout?
0: Like, were people there at noon? I
2: think we had it, yeah. I think we had about, like, 80. That's not bad. 80 to 100. I think people stopping in and by, and then also just people staying. Because the
0: Login E stage is, like, right by the entrance. So, like, people, if they just catch a vibe when they're coming in, they're like, all right, let me check this out.
2: Exactly. And I think that's why I got so lucky with that, is um, because I was on Sunday. Um, A lot of people aren't going to be rushing to the the main stage on Sundays. Right. you know, in the morning, like I saw, like I, I, you know, uh, people aren't rushing to the main stage, people aren't rushing to the other stages immediately. Um, People are just kind of walking around and feeling it out and seeing what they want to do. Do they want to go get food or something? And so them hearing my music in the very beginning, uh, I feel like was good because the moment that they walk in, they hear music and they're like, oh, that's cool. I want to go, I want to go take a look at that. And I think that's why the turnout was was better than I expected. I didn't expect it to be um, that big, and I, I, you know, we counted in a picture, and it was like I think sixty people just in a small frame, and then they didn't even count the um, the actual panoramic, of view of the people what it did off in the distance, like. like people who stand I mean, under the tree, pe- get shade, yeah, tree, people, the shade, stand, yeah. Under tree, people stand, people on the 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 bleachers, people just in the back, people on the sides, you know, yeah. like it didn't count all that. So, you know, 60, 65 people in one picture and, and you know, obviously it probably reached to about a hundred. Yeah. I, I would think. And How was
0: like the, how'd you feel about the music though? Like the performance itself, getting to play life and pastel.
2: It was a really fun experience because, um, you know, it was kind of the first time I got to play, uh, a few, like, uh, one of the, one of the songs off the EP, um, after doing a few shows in LA and, uh, it was just a lot of fun, and I think uh, a lot of people, you know, came because they heard the EP, and they, uh, they just took a glimpse at it. That's kind of what I wanted. I just wanted people to take a glimpse, um, so that when they came to Bottle Rock on Sunday, they might want to catch my set. And a lot of them did, and I think, um, uh, you know, it was it was really fun actually performing, you know, the thing that i have been working on for like three months, you know, and so... Uh, yeah, I think one thing that uh, I definitely uh, didn't take into account was how big the stage was going to be. So I tried to use as much of the stage as, stage as possible. Yeah, and that was a lot. It was a lot of fun because I'm usually playing on a lot smaller stages. I'm very confined, you know. So getting up on a stage where I have a ton of room and I can walk around and, you know, there. You know, I'm expecting them to only give me like two microphones or three microphones, and they gave me like five of them, so that I'm like constantly have something to walk around with. And you know, they were the stage managers, the um, the crew, uh, everybody at the Logania stage did was just amazing like they were just some of the nicest people yeah and just really helped me out with whatever I needed and and uh, yeah so. have you
0: gotten any like feedback of like people like told you like hey I saw you here or, like have, you, have your followers gone up like kind of what's the response um
2: yeah uh I got a lot of really good feedback um and that was that was good it's funny I look over footage and you know, I look at I look at my performances like very critically. So you know, I'll look at something and be like, "Oh, that was dumb. I didn't do that," or "Oh, I should have done this." But it's everybody that came up to me um, afterwards, or you know, messaged me or sent me something. They were like, "That was really, really good." Like yeah. you, you know, it was an improvement over like my last shows, and and um, I think you know, it, it was a really good starting point of like, okay, now I see where I can be and where I'm at right now, and I want to get, you know, to a bigger stage, and I want to be able to have more people there, and, and stuff like that, so, and, um, obviously, like, in crowds, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna lie, of course, there was people there that were just there for the bands that were coming after me, sure. and they didn't, obviously, were not that into it, and they didn't really care, like, I, you know, I saw a few, a few of those people, and that happens at every show, I'm actually one of those people that, if I really don't, care about the band I'm not really gonna you know like if I'm not into it I'm not into it yeah you know and I completely understand that and so um you know but it was cool that they were there and you know some of them were you know bobbing their heads and whatnot and uh, you know new people saw me and they you know got a glimpse of what I do and so I think that was really the most I mean
0: bottle rock is like it's it's kind of a weird thing because you've been a couple times now like there's there's such a like wide demographic of people that go and a lot of people like aren't necessarily always going for music they're going for food and wine to hang out to to get drunk to do whatever it's like there's not always people who are maybe as receptive to music as you might have at other music festivals and I think that's what makes kind of bottle rock unique and so you might Turn someone on, or you might just, you know, have someone that's standing there just because they just kind of want to go, or you know, they just wanted to be there. It's like this weird, it's kind of a weird crowd sometimes. That's always the thing that kind of stands out to me from it.
2: Yeah, I I, bottle rock is definitely um, a different experience when it comes to uh, festivals, just because what uh, have you been to like other festivals? I've been to uh, Outside Lands, yeah, uh, which was very different, very different, and and it was really different just because. it's definitely a younger crowd for sure and um we're engaged to, too. yeah no well not nah, like this isn't to make bottle rock seem like oh it's living in bass oh. or something or like there's you know it's there's not enough like young crowd there like no bottle rock is actually very like they they do very well for like the, the younger people that yeah. want to come and, and stuff like that and but you know um outside lands just has that kind of everybody there if i was playing at outside lands I would just fit in with the mold. Yeah. Because a lot of the artists that play there are alternative rock bands and electronic artists and rappers and stuff like that. So I feel like I would fit in mold a lot more at at Outside Lands. At Bottle Rock, I feel like it's really great, though, because I also stand out a little bit at at Bottle Rock. That's Um, true. You know, and Bottle Rock is just was so good this year It yeah. was so good this year you know and um i think i was just really proud to be able to you know play it and be a part of like that experience and you know because they just they did a great job yeah
0: who else did you see like that um, really like stood out like anybody else you enjoyed
2: uh i was really so i saw the naked and famous which was a really good show. that was a great show that um they did they just have this great um these these great you know upbeat songs and, and uh they're just fun to listen to and i was backstage for them and it was a lot of fun watching them gavin DeGraw was pretty fun to watch yeah. um yeah like i you know i definitely um there were some there were some really good artists especially i mean maroon five i mean they they killed it of course i mean you know my girlfriend was fangirling for <laughs> adam levine for two hours and And, you know, I had to sit there going, yeah, I know, he's he's beautiful, he's beautiful, I know, you don't have to that's the seventh time you've said he's beautiful, (laughs) I get it, like, no, uh, but no, like, there were some, there were some great performances this year, and, uh, Foo Fighters did awesome, like, they were just amazing, I didn't get to, I didn't see Tom Petty, I wasn't there on Saturday, I was too busy stressing, over <laughs> Sunday. Just so I, I didn't go on Saturday. Did you get any
0: sleep the night before?
2: Yeah, surprisingly. Surprisingly, I actually got a full eight hours of sleep. And wow. I don't know why. Because um, I we woke up really early, had to go get our artist passes. Then it was a whole mess of trying to get my stuff on stage. I don't think... I read the directions well enough, so I don't think I got to the right place uh, exactly. But um, no, they were pretty. They were pretty nice. Everybody was very like accommodating, and, and uh, uh, yeah, we we definitely had to wake up. Mm, I mean, okay, this is skewed since I wake up at like ten every day, but yeah, I mean, we woke up at like seven, which is wow. Yeah, tough, super, like, tough, yeah, super tough. No, like uh, I, I mean, the night before I packed up all my stuff, so it wasn't that bad. So what have good. you
0: been doing since? Like what's, the, what's since, the time after a performance like that like?
2: Um, it's writing projects right now. So I have a show uh, on June 18th, which is featuring uh, Kilroy um, who is a, a younger like high school band. Uh, I love their sound. They're just a, a, they're a bunch of kids making noise and it's really fun. Uh, and uh, then uh, we're, we have High Noon. High Noon is like an acoustic duo so they play a lot of like covers and they have their own originals and um, you know they just get people singing like you know the, the cover songs and everything you know they, they like having that high energy and then um, eighty miles per hour who's a, a electronic uh, producer DJ group um, who they'll be bringing a few guests of theirs uh, to, to do some songs so it's going to be like uh, some rapper yeah some rappers and and all that stuff so that that should be a lot of fun uh yeah that's what june that's june 18th so that's coming uh uh this 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 sunday is it this sunday it's a week from sunday i should know this you should know this. i feel like i should know i feel that's the thing like uh, after it i've been so um all over the place because i feel like because of bottle rock i have to um you know, put together film. You know, from ball rock, and then send it to people. You know, trying to, you know, uh, get um, more get, shows. Get more, get more shows. Uh, get more people looking at my music. Uh, more connections and stuff like that. And then like, uh, you know, yeah, sending more, uh, emails for shows. Um, writing new songs for not for myself, mostly for uh, other other artists. Um, because that's kind of something I really want to get into. Really? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I've been, like, kind of just lucky enough to have the opportunity to make a song uh, for someone, I won't say who, but, like, m- write a song for a few specific people, um, and actually be able to present it to them. Yeah. And so, because a lot of the time, like, you know, it won't, like, if you wrote a song and sent it off to this person's like email or management you probably wouldn't get looked at or anything right. uh, luckily I have I, I, I've i been able to uh, show it to like the, I've been able to have the ability to show it to people um, that might want to uh, use it in their in their projects and their albums and stuff like that. So that's something I'm really working on right now is is writing for other people and it's kind of been a challenge. That's interesting. Never really I feel that like
0: before. that's something that people don't really even think about that much, you know? You like hear a song and it's from an artist and you just kind of assume it's always like that person's lyrics and stuff like that and like the people, I guess like you, uh, I guess why I guess where did you find the passion for that?
2: I think I think it's really connection thing because I really love um, I really love making people something that they'll they'll like and so you know my goal for writing hopefully writing a song for someone or, or producing for someone is to make them happy with their product and make them happy with uh what i what i help them make and not necessarily writing a whole entire song and giving it to them and be like okay here's your song it's done uh pay me an amount. yeah like, you know it's not really like that like i really want what I want is I want to make that connection with them. So I want to come up with a concept and I want to go to them and be like, do you like this concept? And they're like, yeah, that's really cool. I'm like, okay, how about we, how about we write this? Like, let's write this together Yeah. and then write it, make it the best we can. Then they can go record it and do it. And then, you know, that just kind of builds like a connection with that person. Cause then I feel like it's more personal. It has their touches to it, but then it also, I can give my touches to it. So I feel like, you know, the way that I love going about it is I love collaborating with someone. I love collaborating to, you know, give them something that they'll love and they'll, you know, enjoy and be able to play for other people and just, uh, yeah. So that's Is there, of, like, a
0: genre, like, of, like, musicians or, like, a style that you're, like, writing toward uh, or is it just kind of, like, open Right into-
2: Right now, um, it really... I think I'm just trying to go for pop just because I've been able to write that kind of stuff before. and uh, I'm trying to write, you know, just... Uh, yeah, mostly in that genre, mostly, mostly pop, just because I feel like it's, uh, you know, I can come up with stuff a little faster. I'm trying to come up with as many things as possible and just give out a ton of ideas. Not, um, you know, uh, so, you know, I'll come up with like acoustic stuff and, and, um, electronic stuff. I've been trying to get into a little bit of like eighties synth pop, which is kind of fun. Yeah, It's like a throwback. And so, you know, I love working on that. Um, that kind of thing, and and so, uh, yeah, writing writing songs for uh, other people, uh, like it, it really right now is like the people that I'm currently trying to write for, like the people like I specifically am looking for. Um, it's mostly in the realm of pop. Yeah, and so that's kind of where I'm I'm taking.
0: That but that's as. such a like wide ranging like style and genre these days. Like you know yeah. people like you say pop and it, but it there's like an umbrella kind of that it covers. A lot.
2: I guess what I'm saying is like. Um, you know, there's like, like Sia, you yeah. know, like a Sia type song where it's, you know, like, you know, vote big vocals and like a cool, like, you know, like back track and it's got like kind of like a happy feel to it. And, yeah. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Or it's just got a, like a really, you know, badass feel to it. You know, like it. it's really, um, I guess when I think about this type of pop that I'm trying to write, it's more like happy feeling and more, um, and, uh. Like, something you'd probably hear on the, you know, something you'd hopefully hear on the radio or something like that. Yeah. That's what I would hope, you know, if, if I were to write a song. Like yeah. That,
0: it, I wanted to ask you, too, and this is kind of like a little turn, but it's like, I feel like your music is very different from, like, if there's a mold for Napa, uh, you know, it's your music isn't necessarily that, at least what you're playing now. Like, do you ever feel like you're maybe breaking a stereotype about the area's music and maybe sort of helping people realize that there maybe is more to the music in this area. Is that something you ever think about? Uh,
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I try to, I try to think about it. Well, I guess let me, let me retry that. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I am trying to do something that's different. I'm trying to, um, break that mold of, you know, people that come out of Napa that do music, uh, for a while, you know, cuz I mean I did it for a long time. I did acoustic music and that's really, acoustic Napa's really focused around acoustic jazz, bluegrass, and like alt rock. Yeah. And um, that's really what we're there like that's what is played around here. And and it's it's a great place to do that cuz it's a it's a beautiful you know, vineyards it's something you would want to hear if you were like going you know around Abbelle's yeah you're driving up yeah so on a trail and, like, for sure Yeah, like you know and so you know a lot of a lot of artists from here you know come out doing acoustic and whatnot and i was doing that and um i just i felt like i wasn't doing the most that i could be doing and so you know when i started writing electronic music uh it was kind of a weird turn for for some people that did listen to my music because they were like, okay, this is kind of different. I don't know if this, you know, will work for you or uh, something like that. Or they didn't know where I was trying to go with it, Um, you know. So there was a lot of pressure to, like, make, you know, more acoustic music because, you know, it's just what'll get me shows around here. It's what'll get me um, more gigs, like, close around the Bay Area and, like, Penaluma and stuff like that. And... um, but I guess I thought of it as like if yes I could do that and it'd be easy for me to do that, but I feel like I can go a lot farther with this electronic music. So yeah, I guess breaking the mold like there's there's great people around here. There's I'm and I'm not saying that the you know we're stale or anything because there are uh, people in Napa that come out with great music. Uh, for sure, you know, and so I think what I'm just trying to do is I'm trying to just give uh, an alternative to that. I'm trying to you know instead of. Uh, you know, because if you go to Porch Fest, it, it is a lot of like acoustic and and, and bluegrass and jazz bands. And yeah. So what I want to do is I want to um, kind of give people a different uh, perspective. Uh, if if I were to be playing Porch Fest, like I'd love people to walk by and be like, "Oh, that's different!" Like, "Oh, that like that that's a crazy." electronic chorus where is that coming from yeah. you know, and they just it piques their interest and they want to come by and take a look because i would imagine
0: if you're like a bay area promoter or something like that and you see like there's this electronic artist and he says he's from napa valley like you're kind of like wait a second like i've never really seen anybody that wants to play in my venue that's from napa before it's kind of like a you know you might be almost like pioneering like a i guess kind of a movement in some ways
2: um I- I almost don't want to say that just because like I, I can say it. I, I can, can say it. you can say it, and thank you for I appreciate that because that's that's really cool I think um, I just uh, I think there's people that have done electronic music in Napa but, but the thing is is not singer songwriter um, hmm. and I think that, yeah I'm I want to kind of break that mold and I kind of wanna I want to show people that you know just because you're from a certain place that has a certain genre. Uh, that's main. That you don't have to fo- you don't have to follow that. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's better to break against, and sometimes the people in you know your area might not enjoy it, but maybe the people outside of your area might actually really take to it. And yeah. then, you know, may you know maybe it's not maybe the world is not as you know maybe your world is not as small as uh, it might seem sometimes. I you know, know, right? Especially with, with music around here. So yeah. Uh, yeah so I I, I guess. I guess that's really cool. You know, you wanna you wanna push something. You know, you don't wanna go into music, not trying to break the mold or not trying. You know, you wanna do something new because right. that's what's gonna you know draw people. And so that's what I'm trying to do, and that's what me and my team try to do. And then you know, with these bottom of the lineup T-shirts, you know, making like you know just like a cool thing out of out of that being on the bottom of the lineup, and and um, yeah, just just trying yeah trying to be our own entity and trying to be our our own selves and be ourselves
0: no and i think you guys are doing a good job of it man and i should yeah. ask you also what's the response been like to uh life and pastel because that's been out for a couple of weeks now it's
2: been out for a couple of weeks yeah it just got put out on spotify it was supposed to be on spotify recently but uh when like when Bottle rock happened like it was supposed to be on there but for some reason it didn't show up um but i got a fix and now it's on spotify and uh yeah people just uh you know people still message me saying like this is this is really good like i really like this and and i knew like just because i was gonna release something doesn't mean it's gonna just immediately shoot skyrocket you know to the stars like it's you know but i feel like with this ep and um, it's doing really well uh with people who hear it and like actually take a look and take a listen that um i am gaining more fans slowly but sure slowly but surely i am and uh with uh what i plan to do with this ep is really kind of milk it and kind of you know push it for a while and not really release the next project uh for for a little bit and if i do release another project I, i you know i've been thinking about doing a more of a collaborative project with maybe some rappers and um some other singers and just just a project like that and then you know i would save the the final um installment of the heart trilogy uh you know, for later and maybe the next year um, when I feel like I have enough people uh, looking at my music. And so... Um, but the response for this EP has been awesome. Like, people love different songs on it. And I think that's what's really great is, like, not one song is coming out completely on top. Yeah. I hear a lot about Lately. Lately is the last song on the EP, and it's actually the slowest. It's heavy, and yeah. And it's heavy, but, like, that one—that was the one that just jumped in plays, you know, when, uh, when it first came out. It just started, like, doing really, really well. and um, But people have different favorites on it. And so uh, we want to, you know, play off of that and make shirts for those different songs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I feel like uh, those songs can fit in many different, um, like, videos and, and radio play and stuff like that. So right now, it's all it is is really just kind of making those moves, like getting my songs onto a radio station. And it's not one of those things where... I'm gonna release a project, and then after the project's release, it's just gonna kind of die down, and then it's just gonna be there. Right. Like I, I, what it is it's a constant thing. Like I'll be going with this thing until I have, you know, three thousand followers or four thousand followers on Twitter that constantly look at my stuff, you know, and I'm, or uh, you know, I have bigger shows happening, you know, for you know, I'm selling out shows like you know i'm gonna keep pushing this ep until i feel like it's time to finally like release the the last one yeah so that's kind of the plan with it you know it's for the long haul it's not it's good so
0: if people wanted to listen to it where could they find it at
2: see you can find life in pastel on soundcloud spotify and itunes apple music as well so anywhere where you can stream it for free is really where you can find it um you know if you want to buy it on itunes thank you i love (laughs) you you're amazing uh but honestly you can find it anywhere anywhere else i just want people to listen to it i just want people to you know take a look at what i've been working on for you know the past three months of yeah. my life <laughs> and then remind
0: them uh, again you know, i guess like when's uh, the next show and where's so, it at and... so the
2: next show is at brick and mortar musical uh june 18th on sunday uh it's an 18 and over show um so we're super excited about that um it's, i feel like it's gonna be a really great show um so I tell people to make a day out of it, go to San Francisco, have a good time, and just um, you know, come, come party with us, come have a good time. We're going to be filming a bunch of it. so uh, you know, And I have a lot of new tricks up my sleeve this next show. So if people want to come see that, I'd be very happy that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so June, June 18th, Sunday.
0: June 18th, yes. Sunday. All right, Alec, well, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This edition of Other Side of the Fence, a now award winning column, humble brag, brought to life in this podcast is about one of the more memorable days of my life. And as you'll soon see, there are quite a few reasons why. And like last time I did this, the city of Oakland plays a major role in the way that night ended. So here it is. That day was a roller coaster. I woke up early in sunny Santa Monica with a few things to do. Uh, I turned on a meter's album and walked a few blocks to a nearby laundromat to try and get the wrinkles out of my shirt. Uh, The crappy motel we stayed at that night didn't have an iron and since Spirit Airlines charges half of your soul essentially to bring any kind of reasonably sized bag on, uh, I had to fold it up in an unusual way. Uh, I was down there for the California Newspaper Publisher Association's Better Newspaper Contest Awards Luncheon. Uh, the Register sent down myself, Star Editor Dave Stoneberg, and his wife Joni to represent Napa Valley Publishing, since the Star was responsible for ten of the twenty-one awards our paper won this year, and six of those were for yours truly. Everything about the weekend had me riding high. Before the luncheon began, the three of us walked the beach, all dressed up, while everyone else was wearing as little as possible. You know, part of me, you know, wish I had some random sheets of paper to hand out to people like I was a, you know, lost Southern California Jehovah's Witness. But we hit our first roller coaster drop early in the luncheon. Dave was randomly checking his email because press releases on CNPA winners were slowly being trickled out, and he got one he wasn't ready for, but many of us were expecting. Our beloved colleague and friend Pierce Carson passed away the night before, just days from his 50th anniversary as a registered reporter. And Pierce and I became close during my first year when we were at the old office and the editorial staff was working in trailers in the parking lot because of the earthquake. You know, Sports and Features shared a trailer, so I saw him daily whenever he wasn't traveling. We mostly talked music, but occasionally he touched on life or politics or other travesties of the human condition. You know, I loved his stories about the old Napa or his weird long nights in San Francisco. I think I was his window into modern music and current Bay Area culture. I think I made him feel younger and still connected to the places he used to tear up when he was my age. But once we, you know, caught our breath outside and I reminded Dave and Joni that Pierce would have told us to spare our sorrows and get our asses back inside, uh, the roller coaster began to ascend once again. And Napa Valley Publishing received six first place awards and 15 second place awards. Two of the first place awards were mine. And it was surreal to see and hear my name so many times besides all the great reporters and editors and photographers in the most populated state in the country. It was gratifying and validating in a lot of ways, and I was honored and humbled to be a part of the whole thing, and it just was surreal in every possible way. So after a few celebratory drinks, we flew back to Oakland, and my girlfriend picked me up from the airport and treated me to a dinner at MUA. Uh, We had a few more beers at Drake's afterwards. It was an amazing night, and I was celebrating with the only person I wanted to celebrate it with, and the roller coaster was honestly as high as it had been all weekend. But then it crashed. We walked back to her car, and in her rear side window, uh, it was completely smashed. Her back row was pushed forward, and both bags that we had stashed in her trunk were gone. And it was pretty clear whoever took our stuff had been watching us. And in sort of a daze, you know, I tried to put on a stronger front, but inside I'm reeling. You know, I told her that we couldn't play the should have, would have, could have game, but the losses were bad. My work laptop and digital tape recorder were gone and with them a fair bit of important content, you know, specifically for this show and an investigative series I had been working on. Uh, my car keys were gone. Uh, so were my prescription glasses, a bunch of clothes, a pair of shoes, personal effects. I mean, the only way you maintain yourself in that moment is to acknowledge that we're both OK and they're just things they're replaceable, but it's a hurdle and a setback to do that. And it's also costly. But I think the biggest loss was my relationship with Oakland. You know, I've made a lot of memories in that city. I even talked about this at the end of the last episode. I've covered the warriors there. I've gone on dates. I've introduced friends from Atlanta to its whiskey bars, not to mention the countless shows I've gone to at the Fox. I've gotten to know the people in that city. When Ghost Ship burned down, I I mourned for those 36 souls that had more to give because I knew who they were and what they were about. I'm sure some of them would have been dancing beside me at Beats Antique the night after it happened. I always felt like I saw the beauty of that city despite the stigma, despite the reputation. But suddenly that all bottomed out. The pain and suffering of that city and, and many of its people led to this moment where desperation took hold and committing crimes like this were a means of survival. But since then I've realized I can't condemn the city for the actions of a few. If I do then I become one of the people that are perpetuating the atmosphere and economic stagnation that makes those type of break-ins a constant. So, Oakland, if you're listening, I still love you. And I hope relief comes to you soon because I know how badly you need it. And I'll, hopefully when this episode airs, the Warriors have brought home another title and we can all come together on good terms and enjoy the things that make you beautiful because I still see that. Thank you to Dave Graham. Thank you to Alec Lee. I really appreciate both of them coming on for our Bottle Rock themed episode. And uh, we're going to do something a little different here. Alec was kind enough to provide uh, a song from his new EP, Life in Pastel, which he mentioned is available wherever you can find music. Uh, This is the second track on the EP. It's called Can't Live Without You. So uh, enjoy this. Uh, It's a good song. I dig it. You should too. And uh, we'll see you next time.